0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. We speak today to Stephen Stewart, CEO of Orefinders. They are an explorer and portfolio company having picked up four assets in the Downturn of the market in the Abitibi region. They're now looking to develop a couple of those. With money they've raised on a recent private placement. Eric Spott came in for half of that. So, quite a good name to have with you. We talk about their business plan and how they hope to develop the projects over the next 12 months and potentially how they can grow these assets. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Doing very well. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time. No pleasure. Nice nice to uh, meet you for the first time and, and get to hear your story. Um, why don't we kick off with a 1-minute summary for people new to this and we'll pick it up from there.
1: Sure. Core finder is, is uh, listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange. We're exclusively focused in the Abitibi, particularly in uh, in Ontario. Uh, we were uh, born 2013, I took over 2015 and ever since then we've really had a, a different business model, which is to to buy on the down. And uh, when the market turns and it appears we're at the beginning and potentially at the first inning of a nine-inning game, we would pivot towards exploration. So over those, since 2015, we've uh, we've accumulated six different assets, some are physical properties, other equity positions, and going forward, we're going to be investing in those properties as opposed to uh,
0: acquiring. Okay, great. Um, thanks for that summary. Uh, you mentioned a, a phrase there which I dear to my heart, which is, you know, business plan. Okay. I, n- I have not seen yet a company in the mining space write a business plan, which is extraordinary From when you're coming from outside of this space. You have got the semblance of one though, because I spotted a document, um, which you guys wrote in 2018, which talks about why invest in ore finders. Um, I'm interested in the Non-generic pieces. I'm interested in the bits where you talk about what you're going to try and do. You've mentioned a slightly contrarian attitude in terms of, you know, where you are in the market uh, determines the actions which you take. So, can you take us through what it is that you set out to do when you came in in 2015, please? And has that changed?
1: Well, when I came in 2015, the share price was half a penny, and there was about $200,000 in the bank. The traditional model of drill, 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 uh, take out a resource, and you know what we had 500,000 ounces. We see you know multi-million ounce potential on that asset, but that just wasn't feasible in that environment. And so, uh, what we did then is we revived the company. We, we did a starter pit on what's called the Murado project. We generated a little bit of cash, and that brought us from basically a dead company in a tough market. It was it was through no fault of previous management, but it gave us a heartbeat, and we same time looked around and, and figured out real quickly that you know, that that's not going to fly uh, going forward. And, and let's capitalise on the other companies who are like warfinders finders, that have great assets, but don't have the capital to to deploy it. And even if they did have the capital, it was our belief that nobody was paying attention. So you could spend a million dollars on a drill program, you could exceed investors' expectations, but they would use it as an oper- a liquidity event. And that's not a very good investment proposition. So we took that. And decided to buy other ore finders, so to speak, and that's what we've done quite successfully uh, since twenty fifteen.
0: Okay, but the, the game plan being what to build up a portfolio of these assets, which you can then do some work on to decide which ones you focus on, which ones you farm out. Which I mean, tell us a bit more about what you're actually trying to do in terms of monetization of that model. What's that yeah, look fair like?
1: Fair enough. So, so that so. The idea was to buy quality ounces in the ground, not just random projects, but projects that were very strategic uh, and uh, geographically proximate to us. Um, On that, when we had that one asset called the Murado, the idea was to build a mill there. And are there other assets that we could, in theory, truck to and have create a hub and spoke model? So we really stuck to that idea. You know, again, you're right. It, It wasn't just about buying. Ounces anywhere. It was about buying quality ounces that were strategic to the master plan, where we think we can take well, our
0: them. But, but give me more detail on that. Okay, so what is the pro? What were the profiles that you're looking for? I know you're focused on uh, Abitibi, which is great. You know, you're surrounded by some great, great big names there. But given you don't have a lot of money. Given your relatively needed space and you know the the, the track record, I, you know, which we'll talk about in a second, is you know there's a lot of competition for the good stuff. So, what were you able to hone in on? What were you able to acquire given the restrictions you found yourself in?
1: So it has to have access to infrastructure. If it's on the road, if it's in a in a you know a call it a 20, 30 kilometer radius, as much data. We're big on data, so uh, we wanted to buy people's drill programs of yesteryear. As you know, and this market's highly cyclical, so you can have a hot drill program, and then people chase it up. You know, the, the company to a dollar or so, but then two years later, in a down market, it's available for pennies on the dollar. So that's what we did. It was really about buying uh, work that had been completed, that we have the data, not only the data but the core, so we can reevaluate it ourselves and uh, and, and build our portfolio that way. So it's about replacement costs and building as much value in that sense as we possibly could, so that when we pivot and we're in the pivot phase right now, we, we have a great asset base and then we can go out and raise money at a much lower cost of capital, which we're slowly but surely getting there, and then reinvest based on the information that we know about these projects that required.
0: Okay. Um, so again, just help me out here. So it's quite a competitive environment. Um, you're saying we did it in the time when no one was interested because it was in a down market. So we're picking up good value, uh, low cost projects. What, what did the data tell you? Because presumably these are either old mines or old workings, which um, the, the data tells you something. So what, what, were, what were you looking for?
1: We're looking for, well, resource size. I mean, a lot of these projects, well, some of them did have 43-101's on them, but we you know don't ascribe a lot of value to other people's 43-101's. It's really about high-grade um, surface, surface resources. Um, anything that we see has potential. Again, if you're on the Abitibi on these major breaks, and there's, there's Gold in the system, uh, and we don't see any fatal flaws, we see value. And while you know, I say nobody was interested, I was talking about the retail guys and so the retail investors were not typically interested. Um, But there certainly was a lot of competition on the, you know, to acquire the assets from competitors like Warfinders. Um, And so that said, we also, we didn't go for the obvious candidates. We looked for unique situations. For example, we acquired our McGarry project and that was from a company called Curve Mines who faced financial difficulties because they went into production and small-scale mining production more often than not, doesn't work out, and so we picked up the pieces there. And so we we paid a million dollars in shares for an asset that had had you know tens and tens of millions of dollars worth on it. And we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been able to execute on that had Curb in focus. But they decided to leave Ontario and go to Arizona. Same thing with our Mustango acquisition that we did, uh, well, it's not an acquisition, but we did a proxy battle. Again, that was a unique situation. So we, we couldn't afford to pay top dollar on, on top projects that anybody everybody wanted. We, we, we sought out problems that we, we felt we could fix and that would have significantly greater value in a different market.
0: Got it. Okay. So you're prepared to pick up projects with a little bit of hair on them because you're prepared to put in the work to, to, to fix those problems.
1: Absolutely. Well, they all, they all have hair to one degree or another, but yeah, you know, we, we, we like problems. And so we get in there and we do our due diligence, and if we can fix it, great. I mean, you know, if I can sort of extrapolate a little bit more on the McGarry, um, that project, when we acquired it, I, so there's there's a whole slew of people along that trend. It's right on the Cadillac trend. It's contiguous to the Kerr mine, which was one of Canada's most profitable Gold mines. So in terms of a closeology play, it was hot. However, it had significant um, environmental work orders against it. It had uh, corporate litigation tied up, basically for the last 20 years. It was just you know wasn't going anywhere. And so what we did is we optioned it from from Kerr, the company that I sent us. and uh, we had nine months to figure out the situation. So it was a it was intense negotiation with the Ontario government to find a solution. Hey, you know. We're willing to take on these problems. We're willing to, you know, monitor the environmental situation. But you can't. You got to get rid of all the hair. Work with us here, and so the government did that. And we did the same approach with the private litigation. And so, once we solved those problems, we closed on the option. Had we, you know, had we, you know, had those problems not been there, there's no way we would have been able to acquire the project at a million dollars. No way.
0: Okay. So let's describe a couple of those scenarios. So that, that so that's um, McGarry, uh, McGarry. Miss Tango, that was a different sort of problem, right? So, you guys from May last year through to pretty much the end of last year were in a bit of a legal dispute and there were some games from both sides. Why was it an antagonistic scenario here? What what, what had happened?
1: Well, plain and simple, we were looking to, to get rid of the board and the management who we felt were not doing right by shareholders plain and simple. Um, you know the, the, the genesis of that, and you're right, that was a very different approach. It was adversarial. Uh, we, we, approached, we approached them in a friendly way and said, you know, come into the fold. And they said, you know, sure, it's worth X, but the X, I assure you, was not a market, fair market value. It was unrealistic. And so we looked at their shareholder registry and found that Osisko Gold Royalties was the largest shareholder. They had 31% approached Sean and company and said, would you rather be a shareholder in? You know, we had developed a, you know, somewhat of a relationship with the Cisco guys by that point, and 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 they said, you know, sure, go for it. We've been looking at this and wanting to do something, but they did, you know, they're a multi-billion-dollar company. They don't have time to get down in the trenches and do what a junior is supposed to do. So, so we we became uh, the 31% shareholder, and quickly thereafter launched a proxy battle, which uh, resulted in, you know, public back and forth, which isn't all that unusual. We had two. Uh, AGMs, which we won both of them, but they were, uh, you know, just because you win an AGM doesn't mean you win an AGM. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, it, litigation was involved and, you know, it got messy, but it was it was so worth it because the asset that the company has, it's got the, the original asset we went after was the Omega. And the Omega is very proximate to, it actually splits our, our Murado project, the one I talked to you about, about 20, uh, 2013, and it splits the McGarry. It's right in between. It's got nearly 600000 ounces of decent grade near surface right on the Cadillac. It's a nice asset. And then when we got in there and we, we pulled the company apart, we saw that it had the Ebby Baldwin, which was a, a huge land package right next to on Lakes Macassa, which is Canada's highest grade Gold mine. So that really you know paid off
0: for us. Okay. So that's interesting. It tells me a lot about your character and the character of, of, of the team. So you're, you're picking up these old mine, mines uh, or, or assets, um, but what are you going to do with them? Are you looking to you know, build them out and then attract whoever the next door neighbour is? Or can you piece this kind of organic jigsaw puzzle together yourself to create wealth by jo- joining them up? I mean, what, what are you thinking here?
1: Well, first and foremost, I'll I'll be very clear, you know, we we don't have an intention of building a mine. I'm not a mine operator. Um, I'm in the business of making money for my shareholders. And if I were to build a mine for the first time, I assure you, I wouldn't do a good job. There are um, a few examples of people who switched from uh, resource developers and explorers to miners. Oh, Cisco would be one example. They did a great job. Good for them. We're not really willing to undertake that risk. I think where our skills lie are in Sniffing out overlooked opportunities, um, getting deep into the data and recognize geological opportunities, and, and taking being the tenth person on the project and, and realizing them—not necessarily the mistakes, but understanding something that maybe they miss and taking a different interpretation on that. And so we 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 put those opportunities together. We certainly are interested in. in Taking it to the next level because all of the projects we buy here, none of them are ready to go into production. None of them. They're all exploration projects to one degree or another. And so we're we're also looking for that, you know, the the, the LaSonde billion dollar drill hole. I mean, ultimately that's the big score. And we think by putting ourselves in jurisdictions like the Abitibi, on the Cadillac, on the main break, beside the Makassa, beside to addison that increases our odds. I mean, the odds are still t- stacked against us uh, just because that's the, you know, Mother Nature's um, trick. But uh, that's the ultimate score is to, is to, to find that discovery drill hole, well, drill it out, and then look for somebody who would uh, be better at building the mine. You know, but look who's our neighbor Kirkland Kirkton-Lake Bold, like Niko Eagle. Those guys are pretty good at what they do. We're their neighbors. It's, it's. You know, I also have. A, if you go on our website, I also am very clear about how I, I see M and A an absolute inevitability in this industry. And uh, you know, while we are an acquirer right now, you know, I think there will be a time when we become the acquiree.
0: Well, you've also got to start doing some work, okay? So we look, looking Absolutely. at your share price, fourteen million today. You've had a good month or or so. Uh, it was about eight million up until recently. Um, so not very big. You've got a bunch of assets you're gonna to need to raise some more money and spend some money to get to develop these to a stage where we can have those sorts of conversations. So, talk to me about that. How much cash have you got today?
1: We got about two million bucks in the bank. We just recently completed a financing, uh, where, where Eric Sprott came in, uh, he was a million of that, and then you know, people around him and others topped that up to two million dollars. So, that's you know, give or take our cash position. We have, uh, you know equities in, in their our portfolio companies which are not for sale but you know they're sort of quote-unquote marketable securities when the time is right we'll certainly sell them but it's not today uh, we have enough money you know for the next 12 months no problem to do' so what? We're not to position
0: but to do to, what? to drill
1: out so so our next our next, uh, our next uh, move is going to be inwards so we're going to be drilling uh, on our on our night project uh, okay night and shining on armor which is actually about 70 kilometers to the west of the properties we've been talking about We've got uh, three styles of mineralization that we're focused on. So that is in the near term. In fact, if it wasn't for this uh, virus situation, we'd probably be on the ground as we speak, but we pulled back. And then the second drill program we're going to be doing is on Armagari project, which is contiguous to the Keratis. So we have two drill programs in the pipeline that you'll see us complete in 2020.
0: Why those two first?
1: Knight project was the one that we advertised. when we did, before we did any financing with Mr. Sprott, we were, uh, we were uh, that was where we feel we're going to get the best bang for the buck. We've got, three, as I said, three different targets. One is a binary, big, uh, what we think is a porphyry system right near the surface. We'll poke one hole in that. It is or it isn't. Uh, we've got uh, a whole series of breccia pipes, which one of which has been drilled out. We have incredible drill results—you know, 18 grams over 65 meters, 13 grams over 80 plus meters in a in a pipe. We think we've identified a whole series, a little, you know, a carrot garden, if you will, that we're going to go test those. And then we've got uh, our Tyranite mine, which again is on our night project, and we've got a different a different interpretation of how we're going to drill that. So we think we had originally budgeted $500,000. That gets us about 4,000 meters. That'll be, you know, we. That's a 60 to 90 day drill program. We've already got 30,000 meters of drill core from previous owners on that project, which we compiled and and re-assayed. That will go into the project's 43101. It's the only project that we own that does not have a 43101. That project sits on top of a 4 million ounce asset owned by Pan American Silver, who are in the process of transacting it to it. I have a pretty good idea. Uh, In fact, I know who has purchased it. Uh, it's it'll be very positive when that news is released uh, it's uh, the group that's that's buying it is going to invest in it that the, that four million ounce asset that we are contiguous to hasn't seen any investment in ten years and you know the best part of it is that this company coming in if I'm right and I'm pretty sure that I am they've got a, a real balance sheet okay and so they're going to come in there and systematically uh, invest in the jubi which is four million ounces but as I said, just like all of our projects, the Juby's not ready to go into production. It requires significant investment. So, significant investment is good for uh, the regions, good for us. And again, I think our night project uh, goes hand in hand with the Juby project. So, I'm always thinking about consolidation, putting things together, putting the pieces together. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be us, but we have to make money um, as a part of the group.
0: Okay. That's okay. Again, you give us some clues as to the strategy, the, the chess moves you're making here. So, half a million bucks on top of existing data, you put that together and you think you can be attractive to someone next door, potentially, if you're on the same structure.
1: I know we're attractive. Uh, there's no question. Those two projects are one project. You know, they've got the low-grade, we've got the high-grade and we've got a lot of uh, exploration potential. So it's a function of time, price, terms. And um, you know, th- th- those I can't speak to. I'd be speculating beyond that. But I, but I know very well that uh, those two projects belong together. We had an interest in the Jubilee, no question. We we went after it, uh, but uh, it didn't work out. We've gone after it many times through its owners, whether it was Pan American Silver, Timex, Lakeshore, etc. We've always been after it because it's an important piece of the puzzle. So, um, so that will be. I anticipate a transaction on that asset there. That obviously has no direct implications on our on our on our business. But we are absolutely doing a drill program there that, that bring more eyes to the to the to the story.
0: Okay, so tell me tell me about McCarrick. What's the what's the chess move on that?
1: So the chess move on that is uh, why we're drilling there is again the kerr Addison, which is um, was Canada's most profitable mine for a long time, eleven million ounces. What has happened there is that there is a private group out of New York who owns it. They're reinterpreting the geology, so they're looking at uh, putting an open pit. On that project, um, it's a very sizable resource. Again, it's a private company, so this you know I won't talk too much about the details, but it's a fact, and that is going to be transacted upon at some point in time. Now, whether that's you know next week or next year, I can't tell you, but I can tell you they got a substantial resource. I can tell you that we also own uh, the well, the property next door, which has same geology, same same stratigraphy. We've drilled it. We did an exploration program on it. You know, Without drilling uh, on the fall, we got great results. We're going to be drilling that in short term. So in the coming weeks, you'll see us come out with a press release with a detailed plan for how we're going to drill that. Then the, the second bonus on, on that news, if a, a major comes in and takes out the Keratis is that we own the tailings facility. So remember when I said we optioned that property from Kerr Mines, part of the environmental issues was the tailings facility. Sometimes you want a tailings facility. Sometimes you don't. Uh, When you're looking at a brownfields environment uh, with a project next door that is going to need a tailings facility, um, considering the price we paid for it and the position that puts us in for whoever uh, ultimately does take it out and develop it, again, it's not going to go into production next year. It needs work. But we're we're very much a part of that uh, piece of that puzzle.
0: Okay. So that's what? How much is that? Another half million bucks? What are you throwing at that?
1: Yeah, well we haven't come out with the details there, but sure, half a million bucks wouldn't be uh, unreasonable in right. terms. I mean we can drill super cheap because we're on the road. We drill last last drill program we did was sixty two dollars a meter. Obviously there's ancillary costs, but it's very, very cost
0: effective. Okay, so you've got a million bucks left. Are you gonna you, you gonna touch Murado, Amiga? You've got nothing really are to no, Mastone goes. There are
1: no there are no uh current plans to, to uh drill out Murado. Absolutely we want to. It's a fun but it's a function of capital, right? We don't want to get well, that's what I'm getting too to. Ahead, too ahead of ourselves. That's what I'm getting to. So you know, yeah, okay, go
0: ahead. No, I'm gonna say so you know, you, you've you're looking at two of the assets, you're going to spend a million bucks on those. You hope to be able to build on what you already know about them to make them attractive to who next to. Perhaps the people next door or perhaps you've got to raise some more money and spend a bit more money to make them a little bit more attractive slap on the lipstick so what uh, at what point are you going to be having those conversations about the next fundraise
1: um, well I can't tell you uh, to be honest with you the, the, the only thing I can tell you is that we don't need the money right now um, we are very cognizant of our cost of capital so you know as I said we can we can execute on those two programs and keep our um, GNA, which is fairly modest, uh, we're good for twelve months, no
0: problem. But you don't find, you know, do you not know, find that
1: if there was an opportunity,
0: do you not feel that the the market gets nervous when when companies are getting into the hundreds of thousands of dollars in reserve? People get very very nervous because you're kind of cutting it fine there. So I appreciate you look after your money, and appreciate there's a plan, and appreciate you've written a, you've got a business plan, and you know I like that, but. You, and Eric Sprott has joined, but he, you know, he, he spreads his, his bets far and wide. There's lots of bets placed by Eric Sprott. How do you make this attractive enough to attract not just the retail investors for liquidity, but Eric Sprott, how do you persuade him to put the next tranche of money in? You know, You must have had that conversation when they put their money in and others what are you going to what are you trying to what are you what is it that you're trying to build in the next 12 months other than some drill results on those two assets which which will tell people that you've you've made the right decisions you've you've, you've picked the right assets
1: well i think the results are going to have to speak for themselves going forward i think in the past it's called the past 12 24 36 months is about building that portfolio going forward as we said in our business plan it's about pivoting towards Investment in their properties and exploration. We are explorationists at heart, and so the drill results are going to have to speak for it. If we if we drill dusters, well, it's going to make our lives more difficult for sure. If we are successful and the market is receptive to successful drill results, where they haven't necessarily been as of late, but that's changing, then I I suspect we'll have absolutely no problems raising money. I think um, you know what I bring to the table here is my network, and um, you know we've got a very good established relationship with them. We've got Cisco uh, shareholders. you've got Eric Sprott, we have other, we have very good shareholders. We've never had a problem raising money. The, oh, the problem has always been, at what cost? And so to me, that's the question. It's not, can we raise money? It's at what cost? And that, you know, is me predicting the future. I can't tell you that. Obviously, I'd love to, I mean, Orfinders. when we went public, we were a $0.50 cent share. Okay. And we just owned the Murado. So, you know, that's a, that speaks to how powerful a strong junior market can be. I mean, we're worth a fraction of what we were when we owned one of six assets that hadn't even been drilled out. So, you know, again, we're not. You know, hope is not a strategy. So we're not waiting for the gold price to go through the roof. But if it does, will And in, in, in combination with successful drill programs, we'll be in a very good situation. If we miss, we'll have to. Uh, we'll have to evaluate our situation and we'll make decisions then.
0: But again, you know, one asset with some cash. People feel you might be able to do something on that. And people you know, are happy with a single assets uh, strategy. Multiple assets, to me, raise like multiple liabilities because you need the cash to be able to do something with them. They're just an overhead, quite frankly, until you can do something. So your drill program is what you're banking on over the next 12 months or for the rest of this year to, for, you know, to, to define the fortunes of the company going forward.
1: No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's, you know, that's too binary. Um, you know, and, and I, I would say one thing that no, our, our assets are not liabilities. I'd rather have a hundred assets than one asset any day of the week, provided they don't have a drag. All of our properties, certainly the vast majority the core holdings of these properties are patents. Okay. And so there are no work commitments that we have to meet. There are very, very modest taxes. We're talking the order of, you know, $10,000 a year to keep these and we own them in perpetuity. So, you know, us acquiring them and holding them forever is no problem. And so there is no pressure for us to spend money. We can, we can, sh- if if everything goes to you know, a handbag so to speak, we uh you know we we put it on the shelf and we wait. So we have we have the ability to be patient. That's been and maybe I should have said that off the top. We 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 absolutely don't want to acquire you know a million hectares of land that requires you know every two years we got to spend you know ten million bucks. No, well that's that's a failing business model in the juniors, especially in you know, a tough market like this. So part of our criteria, and that's been, I guess, an added bonus, is when you acquire these former producing mines and the projects that had, you know, ten thousand, fifty thousand meters, they've got either they're either patents or they've got a lot of uh, reserve. So we have time is on our side, and uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know living and dying in the drill program, no, I, I mean I disagree with that. I think that's you know upside. No down, is there a downside? Sure, we'll sell off if we drill some dusters. You know that's the way it is. But we'll come back. We'll make another smart deal. We'll we'll. We'll, we'll sort it out. I mean, like, my job is to deal with problems, and we've faced all sorts of problems. Um, I think the, the investing public understands the risk associated with the drill program. People are disappointed if it doesn't work out, but hey, we're optimists, and and, and it's not like we're drill testing blue sky here. We're looking at we're drilling in the additivity on the Cadillac break. We're going to hit some gold. The question is, you know, does it? Do we hit skinny, you know, skinny zones? Do we hit wide zones? How rich is the grade? So you know the risk on exploration is mitigated, mitigated to one degree or another. But that said, this is a risky business.
0: How are you remunerating yourself?
1: Ten thousand bucks a month.
0: Shares, options.
1: I uh, I own five million shares. Just it's got a four in it, but it's a high four. Uh, not a single one of those was free. Okay, so I bought every single share in the market, or um, at a private placement. Options. I haven't done the math on the options, but I got a couple million options at least, something like that. I think we have we have a rolling 10 percent plan, which is pretty standard. I think at the time we probably have six to seven percent outstanding, so there'll probably be another option issue in the in the not too distant future. We didn't want to do that right away. I mean, we had you know when we did a financing with Mr. Sprott, we have share not line up. We could have issued options, but we decided to wait because it just it wasn't the right time because of the COVID situation. Um, but that's you know, largely how I, I remunerate our team, you know, as options. Um, we're in the business to make money, just like our shareholders. Uh, we don't sell our shares. Okay? So if you see us sell our shares, you know, probably retail should sell too. Um, our, our, I'd say our, our team, our director team, in, you know, call it insiders, have probably about 20% of the company. I would say another 20% are held, people close to us. You know our, our core investors. That doesn't include Mr. Sprott, but I you know I um, he's new new to the story, and um, and then we've got five per, uh, probably not four percent is Osisco. You know, the rest is float.
0: Okay, and what's your GNA monthly?
1: Monthly, well I think annually probably be three, four four fifty with with nothing going. Okay. So, so with with drill with drills spinning, you know, that's everything, and obviously that ebbs and flows. So I would say if you probably go, our trailing 12-months is probably more than that because we had the Mustango situation, so our equal bills were higher. Um, but then you have to evaluate, you know, when we, we got into Mustango, we, we bought our shares at $0.02. Cents, now they're at 18 So we probably spent a couple hundred grand to the lawyers, which hurt, especially at the time. Um, but it's paid for it in spades. And in fact, I think Mustango is worth many multiples of $0.18. Cents. So you know, that will pay off.
0: Was that a distraction for you? Did you feel Mustango could have been handled yes. differently?
1: Well, it was a distraction, absolutely. It was a, it was a stressful, um, intense six months for sure, but it was more than six months because it took six months to line it up and get all the pieces organised. But yeah, I mean, dealing with the courts, there was a lot of times where it could have gone the other way easily. I mean, we, we won two shareholder votes, overwhelmingly, yet you know, they just refuse to acknowledge it. And so then the onus is on us to go to the courts and say, you know, you know, Your Honour, this is what's happening. And so, you know, th- those were risks. And, um, but yeah, this, it's no different than, I, I would say the risk profile is on par with, you know, drilling a drill hole. Okay. Would you maybe, do, maybe less so.
0: Okay. Would you, would you go through that route again?
1: It depends. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't rush through it. I'm enjoying, uh, you know, not having to go to court and not having to, you know, deal with all these lawyers. Um, so in that respect, uh, but sure, if the opportunity presented itself and we were properly financed and the opportunity was there, when we saw Mustango, it was to us, it was obvious. I mean, the value proposition was obvious. This, this company was trading at a million dollars and it had fantastic assets and the management team was not doing anything, like literally nothing. So we knew that it had we and, and and I think we have a pretty good following and I think we've got a pretty good reputation both technically and how we manage our companies and so I knew I could convince the their float to say hey just like I did with Cisco who would you rather you know who would you rather in control and overwhelmingly I mean it was the only people that voted for them were them you know I mean it was obvious and they hadn't done a press release in 6 years and so if we identified and I believe me I have I, I have a list of companies um, but it's a question of opportunity, time, and uh, you know, getting the proper financing in place to do that. Because that was, you know, I don't want to say that was a, an easy one, but that was a small fish. There are a handful of companies that I've identified that have a you know forty million dollar market cap, twenty million dollar market cap, who could mount a more formidable um, legal opposition. And believe me, it is complicated. So you need to be properly financed. But yeah, look, there's a lot of bad management teams in this industry. I think you know that. Oh yeah. And so. There's a huge opportunity there, but it's 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 a bit of a different business
0: model so okay so, so you've been here since two thousand and fifteen The market's changed in the last nine months ish since august it's got a lot better you're in a you know we're in a rising bull market um, do you think that and I like your strategy okay I, I do like that um do you think you've got the energy to go to market and ask for more money to do more of what you have been doing. You've got a list of targets. You tell me. Why don't you do that?
1: Because I just did a financing, and I uh, I just did it, um, you know, less than a month ago.
0: That's for different. a so different, so different different uh, That was the, right. I'm going to try and monetize some of the the couple of the four assets I've got. But you tell me, there's more targets out there. You've got a list.
1: Oh, you're talking about to go and do hostile takeovers or proxy yeah. battles? You tell me you're no, good at it. No, well, that's you know, you know. I, no, I didn't say I was good at. It. I said I was successful in the one time I've done it. Uh, you know, it, it, and I said it very clearly. It could have gone the other way, and had we not been incredibly persistent. Okay, it, it required a whole team effort. Uh, had we not been a hundred percent, hundred and ten. Committed, we would have lost. So I am not. Let be clear. That is not Warfinders' business model going forward. I much prefer friendly deals. But if we cannot do a friendly deal, we're certainly going to evaluate it. If I was a big hedge fund manager, like I'm talking hypotheticals here, and I had you know hundred million behind me, you know, and put the right team together, yeah, I'll tell you exactly who we go after. Maybe off off record, but. you know, there's no shortage of opportunities because we spend a lot of time looking at our competitors, whether that is asset based or corporate based. And, and we try to do deals, we knock on a lot of doors, and it doesn't always work out. And I say, well, you know, that guy's not, or gal is not, you know, paying attention and doing it right by their shareholders. And, and most shareholders would agree.
0: So, so, so I'll finish off now because you've given me a lot of your time today. So, what is it that Eric Sprock bought into? If it if it wasn't the strategy, was he buying into your ability to monetize Knight or McCarrie? Or was, he buying, or was he buying into your strategy of buying up these, you know, older mines and doing something with them down the line? So why doesn't he, well, why did he give you a million? Why didn't he give you 10Million?
1: Well, because we wouldn't have taken it. Um, you know, first of all, it, it's, a, it's a function of cap, cost of capital. Uh, he, why did he come into ore finders? Well, you have to ask him, but I'll give you my, my 2 cents, you know, all of the above. I mean, I think he does a holistic approach. And you know, yes, you said he he spreads his bet far and wide. But take my word for it, he doesn't. You know, do it without his due diligence. Eric is sharp, okay, sharp as they come. He's he's successful for a reason. And so, and it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of, you know, tactfully approaching Mr. Spry and convincing him of who we are. Uh, he he monitored our progress on Mustango and how we took that out. I think that. Showed a level, a certain level of corporate comp- confidence, uh, and let's face it, our assets, whether they are Mustang or ore finders, are centered in and around Kirkland Lake. Okay, and I think you know he's done pretty well in that area. And it's many people don't appreciate is that the Kirkland Lake gold, call it the Macassa, that is the third largest gold ore body ever mined. And it's a single ore body. And it's not just the Macassah. In fact, it's seven mines that have happened over different eras, but it's a single ore body. And yeah, we're, on, we're on, on strike to it, to the east of it, to the west of it, to the south of it. Um, you know, there's another, there are other ore bodies in Kirkland Lake. And whether it's a part of the, call it the big mother ore body or a derivative of it, there are other ore bodies there and we've got a great land position. So I think he likes our area. I think he likes our team, and um, he's taking a shot. So good for him.
0: Okay. Thank you for your time today. Nice Pleasure. story. I like that you've got a Thank business you. plan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, look, if uh, you know if you don't know where you're going, all roads will get there, right? So I thought it was important to, um, you know, give investors and prospective investors, you know, a, a general idea of how we view the market and how we plan to make money for them, because. You know, They may like, like our assets, they may like us, but the really at the end of the day, shareholders care about what they, you know, two things, what they paid for the share price and what they can sell it for. And so, you know, we had to devise a master plan of how we're going to get there. There's lots of ebbs and flows in between, but that's how we see it.
0: Brilliant. Stephen, thanks for your time. Stay in touch. Let us know when you start getting some news flow through. We'd love to uh, talk to you again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, keep up these interviews. They're uh, doing a great job.